Welcome to Thursday night of Winds Conference. Amen. I wonder if all across this house, if we could stand to our feet as the singers and the musicians get ready. I want everybody that's coming to this place to worship and praise the Lord to begin to make your way to the front right now. I want you to step out of your aisles. I want you to step out of your comfort zone. Over the last two days, we have already, the last two sessions, we have already been imparted into by these incredible speakers that have already poured into us so much. And I felt so strongly praying for how we should kick this service off that us, the millennials that are in this room, need to start by binding and loosening some things into the atmosphere. I don't want it to just be about the guy in the microphone. I want to hear you right now begin to bind and loosen some things into the atmosphere. Thank you for your hand clap, but can your voice be higher than your hand clap right now? I want every hand into the air. Now I want your voices higher than your hands. Right now we bind the spirit of fear. Right now we bind the spirit of anxiety. Right now we bind all doubt. We bind anything that would come against this service by the power of the Word of God and by the authority that is in the name of Jesus. Right now we loose the gifts of the Spirit to begin to flow. We loose miracles, signs, and wonders. We loose into this room an apostolic boldness to come upon every young person, to come upon every young adult, to come upon every minister, to come upon, come on, loose your voice right now. Loose your voice right. You need to shred the atmosphere with an apostolic prayer. Come on. Come on. Bind something. Now, whatever you want to get out of this service, would you begin to prophesy right now? Come on. Prophesy your miracle before a single note is sang. Before any symbols are hit, begin to prophesy. I'm leaving healed in the name of Jesus. I'm leaving set free in the name of Jesus. I'm leaving delivered in the name of Jesus. I'm leaving. Come on. Speak it into existence right now. It shall come to pass. It will come to pass. Come on, that's it. Do you feel that breaking right now? Do you feel faith rising in the atmosphere? That's what happens when we come together in one mind and in one accord and we begin to speak. Yeah, speak it into the atmosphere. Come on, every person that's a part of the apostolic army that was preached about today. I need you to get your swords out right now. I need you to get the word of God out right now. Speak it. Come on, you're breaking something before we ever get started. You're pushing back against darkness before we ever... Come on, press back. Press back. Press back. We're going to come 
together in one mind and in one accord because your brother needs a breakthrough. Your sister needs a deliverance. Somebody needs a miracle in this house. And if I've got to be the one to prophesy it, I will. So by the power of the word of God and by the authority in the name of Jesus, I lose miracles over every mind. I lose miracles over every marriage. I lose miracles over every young adult. I lose miracles in this house right now. Come on as they get ready to sing I want your voice in the atmosphere pray pray in the Holy Ghost pray with authority pray with dominion come on lift your hands all over this building with God all things are possible with God everything is possible Hey! Oh! Listen! There is no shadow that has ever overcome your light. There is no rival oh, that could ever stand against your might. You've always been with us. Oh, every battle you've already won. You've already won, yeah. And there is no weapon that has ever left a mark on you. There is no army with the power to conquer truth. Every battle you've already won, we've already won. Come on, if you know it, sing it along. Show me, show me one thing he can do. Show me mountain he can He's do. God. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. Sing at the speed of life and, and in his kingdom Every dead oh, thing is bound to rise thing is bound to rise God our Redeemer He is faithful to revive He will revive
my fear I will turn into grace Shake off despair as I sing out your name A victory dance, I will dance out in faith I will crush this Come on, are you saying? And Everybody say it! Every All of my fear I will turn into grace I'll shake off despair Come on, call on the name of Jesus all over the room. of your power we want more than stories we're declaring and believing for it now we'll prepare the atmosphere 
so you can be welcome here. Somebody lift your hands and your voice and say this in faith. Anything can prophesy it. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. The moment that you walk in. Anything. Something's breaking right now. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. The moment that you walk into this room. Demonstration. For a brand new demonstration of your power. We want more. We want more. Than stories. We're declaring and believing. We're declaring and believing for it now. We'll prepare. Oh, 
cancer yourself out of your depression. Jesus is here. Deliverance is here. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, somebody begin to shout unto the King of Kings. Come on. Come on. If you believe anything can happen, you ought to shout. You ought to shout. As you make your way back to your place, the minister that I have been given the privilege to introduce tonight is very, very apostolic and very valuable to the kingdom of God. God has anointed him to preach the gospel and he has been mightily used all around the world seeing multitudes filled with the Holy Ghost multitudes baptized in Jesus name multitudes of miracles and signs and wonders but those points are not what make him so valuable to the kingdom of God what makes him and his precious wife so valuable is how they respond to adversity, challenges, pain, instruction, and correction. The last two years, they have thrived in the midst of tragic circumstances. They did not simply survive, but God moved them into a new dimension of apostolic power and apostolic authority. This is a great man of God who comes with a very clear sound from the throne room of heaven. One more time, I want you to stand to your feet as evangelist Chris Green comes. I want you to clap your hands, lift up your voice, and begin to shout with expectation. Will somebody clap your hands to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? 
Hang on a second because it sounds the same as when you clap for me. It ought to sound different when you clap for him. What does it sound like when you praise the King of Kings? What does it sound? It ought to sound louder than the world, worshiping their superstars, their athletes, their movie stars. We ought to shake the very foundation of this place tonight. Somebody shout Jesus! Hallelujah, Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say it feels good with Jesus. Matthew chapter 26. Thank you, Brother Robinette. I'll say two things before I read the scripture. Brother Bounds will preach tonight. The Lord has dealt with me very clearly this man has a very prophetic very direct word and he will preach tonight somebody say he will preach tonight but with that being said I believe it was eight years ago where somebody in this room who I will not name gave me a good rebuking for calling myself an apostolic preacher and not giving an open door for response I won't say his name, but he has recently introduced me to preach. I wouldn't want to embarrass him. But he told me, you cannot be apostolic if you preach and do not let them respond to the word. For the bounds will preach tonight, but there will be a response to the word when I'm through. Secondly, I want to say very quickly, and I wish I could take two hours to talk about this. But my wife and I would not be in church today. We would not be here today if it wasn't for Brother and Sister Myers. And there's many here that have helped us. But Brother and Sister Myers, who opened this church, opened their arms and said come be with us for three months or more and we will minister to you found out that i'm not the first and i won't be the last young minister that the myers have saved supported motivated encouraged they have a unique ability to encourage the young ministers how many young ministers are here tonight that no, they gave you an opportunity when you didn't deserve an opportunity. Can you just give a hand clap of appreciation for Brother and Sister Myers and, and to the East Wind Pentecostal Church? Matthew 26 and 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he was in a leper's house there came unto him a woman, Mark calls her a sinful woman, having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. 
he was sitting there eating and all of a sudden here comes this sinful woman and busts her box and pours oil on his head how would that make you feel but when his disciples saw it they had indignation saying to what purpose is this waste well this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor when Jesus understood it he said unto them why trouble you the woman for she hath wrought a good work upon me for you have the poor always with you but me you have not always verse 12 for in that she hath poured this ointment on my body she did it for my burial verily I say unto you wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest and said unto them what will you give me and I will deliver him unto you and they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver and from that time he sought opportunity to betray him I want to preach to you tonight on the second anointing the second anointing before you're seated just lift your hands and say God I want your oil I want your anointing I don't just want a sermon I don't just want a song I want your oil and if you believe you're gonna get that oil tonight <laughs> why don't you just lift up your voice and why don't you declare by faith i will not leave this place without the oil you may be seated in jesus name have you ever thought about what it would be like trying to explain to the disciples what a social media fast is well let me tell you what we do in 2021 we go on a social media fast well what's that well what we do is is we stop getting on Facebook to look at other people's pictures for 21 days it's powerful can you imagine what it would be like trying to explain what we call a Daniel fast to Daniel himself? He would respond and say, you got to be kidding me. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to be kidding me. There's something that we often laugh about, a joke in North America that's called first world problems have you ever considered the comparison of our first world problems with their first church problems <laughs> have you ever considered this first world problems the ac went out we we ran out of peanut brittle i don't even know what peanut brittle is it just i want to make sure the old people are awake they say that a lot. I have no idea what it is. I think it, it used to be it used to be the foundation of revival back then. Maybe we need to get it back. 
Peanut M&M's. Peanut brittle. First world problems. I, I, I was late to church because there was a long line at Starbucks. And then I discovered that they, they, they got my white chocolate mocha skinny dry latte wrong and I had to go back and the line was even longer and then I, I had to get gas in my Mercedes and they they, they they didn't have any more premium gas for my Mercedes and, and when I finally got to church started raining and I couldn't get out of the car because I didn't want my suede shoes to get wet you ever compared our first world problems with their first church problems and we think we've suffered. Consider the heroes of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice. They shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were mocked and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed with with the sword some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats they wouldn't have been allowed in general conference wearing them clothes they were destitute and oppressed and mistreated they were too good for this world wandering over deserts and mountains hiding in caves and holes in the ground all of these people earned a good reputation because their faith Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. I love the life of the Apostle Paul who was converted in a miraculous demonstration of God's plan and vision. Saul of Tarsus was converted he was called in Acts chapter 9 and in the same chapter of Acts chapter 9 the Bible says that God spoke to Ananias and said that go find this Saul of Tarsus because he is a chosen vessel unto me watch what he said this Saul of Tarsus would do he said he will bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel Verse 16, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. But just three verses later, the Bible says after his conversion, after his calling, three verses later, it says when he had received meat and was strengthened, then Saul was certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus and straightway or and immediately he preached. He was anointed to preach in Acts 9. He began to preach Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of, God, son of God. Verse 21, watch the anointing of his preaching. Scripture says that all that heard him were amazed. 
How many of you preachers would love to have that testimony? Oh, y'all, okay. They won't be honest. How many of you, soon to be preachers, would love to have the testimony that, man, when I preach, they are amazed at my preaching? He was anointed to preach. But he did not understand the anointing, the second anointing of persecution. Not yet did he understand this second anointing. He was anointed to preach. And all that heard him were amazed. Verse 22, the Bible says that this Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews with his preaching. Whew. Which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await or their plot to kill him was known of Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. And the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. Paul said, I'm just anointed to preach. I can't suffer this affliction. Get me out of here. I've got to amaze more people. I've got to sermonize more people. So he avoided the second anointing when he was just a rookie preacher. Scripture goes on in verse 29 saying that he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Which when the brethren knew that they were going to slay him, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Twice at the beginning of his ministry, he escaped the clinches of suffering and persecution. Yet towards the end of his ministry in Acts chapter 20, he's on a ferocious pace to Jerusalem and he stops to speak to the pastors of Ephesus. And by the way, it was in Ephesus that Paul said to the church of Corinth, he said, I am fighting wild beasts in Ephesus every day who are trying to kill me every day. He said, and all I'm trying to do is plant a church in Ephesus. And in Acts 20, he stopped his journey to Jerusalem to tell the pastors. He began to talk to them about what would happen in their day that grievous wolves would, would come against the flock and he even went further to say that people would rise up from within the church to pervert the gospel and the truth so that they could gather a following unto themselves They begged Paul, don't go to Jerusalem, you're going to be persecuted. Don't go to Jerusalem, you're going to suffer affliction. And Paul, now towards the end of his ministry, has seen the second anointing. And Paul tells them, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned by... <laughs> Woo! 
You might as well throw away my ministry if I don't do the work that Jesus has given me. The work, look what it says, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. The same Paul that was running from affliction all of a sudden caught a revelation of the second anointing. That's why he spoke to the church in Philippi and said, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. That first anointing is good, but the second anointing is gain. That's why he could tell the Philippian church, I just want to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. That's why Paul could speak to the church of Rome. And how relevant it was to the church in Rome when he said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He told the church in Colossae, he said, I'm glad when I suffer. When I began my ministry, I was hiring people to let me down the window of the hotel and get me out of there. But now that I've seen the second anointing, I'm glad when I suffer for you and my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. That's why Paul could tell the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11, he said, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. Somebody say thrice. It's the first time you ever said that word. Three times I was shipwrecked. But did you know that he wrote this before Acts 27? When he was shipwrecked again and was bitten by a viper? He's writing about all his sufferings and he didn't know there was more on the way. I've been shipwrecked three times. Little did he know Acts 27, here comes a fourth shipwreck. I don't know about you, but I'd stop getting on boats. After the third time, I'd learn how to swim or ride a dolphin or something. <laughs> Teach a horse how to swim, man. He said thrice. <laughs> I suffered shipwreck. Why didn't you stop? And night and day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of waters. In perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. That's why in his very last letter, he wrote it to his son, Faith. He said, Timothy, I could tell you a lot of good stuff, son, that we did. 
I don't want to talk about the past and I could prophesy the future, but I don't even want to do that. He said, what I do want to do is... I want to tell you what I remember about you. I call to remembrance your genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded it's in you also. Why would he start like this? Because he had seen something in his son that was a little off. That's why I like having elders that really know me. So when I can preach in front of you, and I thought I preached the house down and amazed the people, an elder that knows me can call me up and say, we need to talk. You amaze the people, but you didn't impress God. He said, come on, Timothy. He said, wake up. I know you've fallen. I know you've stumbled. I, I know you've suffered temptation. And I know you haven't always operated in the gifts that you have received. But let me remind you something, Bubba. You got the real stuff in you. That's why he goes on and he says, therefore, I remind you. It's not enough that I remember it. I'm on death row. He had been quarantined for seven years in house arrest. He said, it's not enough that I remember it. I want you to remember that you stir up the gift of God, which is already in you. You don't need another revelation. You don't need another enlightenment. You just need to stir up what you've already got. Watch what he says. It's in you. I know it's in you. How do I know it's in you? Because I was there when I laid my hands on you and you spoke in other tongues. Don't you listen. Don't you listen to the lie of hell that says you are not blood washed, you are not sanctified, you are not filled with the Holy Ghost. I've got the evidence. I see the testimony. You spoke in other tongues as the Holy Ghost came. For God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. But we don't know verse 8. It's the same context. Therefore, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, who's a prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power Timothy, you got the first anointing when I laid my hands on you. But you need to be a partaker of the sufferings for that second anointing. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus gets his first anointing. He's been baptized, led of the Spirit into the wilderness. He does a 40-day fast. Scripture says, and afterward he hungered. Here comes Satan to tempt him three times. He rebukes him. Scripture tells us that he returned out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. This was his first anointing. 
Scripture says in Luke 4 and 14, if you have it, he said, and he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. And this is who I'm talking to right now. The generation of the first anointing. Said he was coming out of this wilderness in the power of the Spirit. And there went out a fame of him throughout the region round about. This first anointing brought attention to himself. He had a ministry. He goes to Nazareth. He goes to the synagogue and they bring him the scroll. And he opens it and begins to read from the prophet Isaiah. And he declares in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm preaching to the best preachers this world has ever seen. You got the anointing to preach in the same way that Jesus preached. <laughs> it makes me laugh because he preached. He sat down. They stared at him and he said, I ain't done preaching. This day has this scripture been fulfilled in your eyes. I'm speaking to this generation that's hungry to see the harvest, to be used of God. The Lord spoke to me and said, this nation, the church of this nation, they have my first anointing, but they avoid my second anointing. Jesus comes to Bethany sits in a house of a leper he allows a sinful woman to come near him as he's eating and she breaks open her alabaster box the bible if you put it on the screen in verse 7 it says it was an oil a precious oil in fact when she poured it out the disciples were so mad with indignation that word means resentment that means offense they were so upset and they said what is the purpose of this waste? You could have sold this. And Mark records the price of this oil. And if you equate the price of the oil of that day to today's standards, they said that it was worth a year's salary. The median salary in North America is about $35,000. The oil she poured on his head was somewhere around the vicinity of $35,000. It was an expensive anointing. The second anointing is a costly anointing. Will cause you to preach sermons that have cost you everything. Will cost you to walk through paths that will cost you everything. The second anointing is not cheap. I went to Urshan Graduate School, but you can't get this second anointing at Bible school. Can't get this anointing by just attending a conference. Scripture says the disciples were mad and they said, this is a waste. The people that don't understand the second anointing they will call your anointing a waste. All that prayer, it's waste. All that fat, you're fasting four days a week. I, I, I listen 
this morning to Brother James Kilgore preach about the anointing. And he said, I was praying five hours a day for this oil. He said, I fasted every other day for five straight years for this oil. And people in the moment will look at him and say, that's a waste. Your church ain't growing with all this stuff you're doing. But now we talk about the legacy of James Kilgore. We don't talk about his prolific preaching. We talk about the price he paid. The disciples said this is a waste. We don't understand the second anointing. You're already anointed to preach. Jesus said to them. It's written in the New Living Translation in verse 12. He said... She has done this. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. The Lord spoke to me a month ago and said, This nation is anointed to preach, but they are not anointed for persecution. And the pathway to my harvest is the valley of the shadow of death. He said, this generation and this nation, they are anointed to preach, but they're not anointed for the grave. Brother Jackson called it the dirt of ministry. <laughs> are you anointed for the dirt of the grave? Brother Gore preached on the second wind, and I'm preaching on the second anointing. The Lord said, I am going to give this body a second anointing of my spirit. Jesus said, she has done this to prepare me for my persecution. I started my ministry in the wilderness with the anointing to preach, but I will end my ministry with the anointing of the grave. The scripture says that Jesus told them, don't rebuke this woman because what she has done will be spoken about all over the world whenever this gospel is preached as a memorial for her. When she anointed him with this second anointing, one of his closest companions, one of his own 12 disciples that he chose out of tens of thousands of followers and believers, Judas Iscariot got up from the table and walked away because he did not understand the second anointing. Judas Iscariot walked away and went to the Pharisees and said, I'll give you something if you'll give me something. People that politic for position don't understand the anointing of the grave. People that look for opportunity because the scripture says from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. You better believe when you step up to the plate to receive the second anointing those closest to you will betray you. Am I telling the truth? Those that you counted on to defend you and get your back when the chips were stacked against you, <laughs> 
they will say, I, I was here for the first anointing and I appreciated the five loaves and the two fish and the coming of the storm. And I, I appreciate the miracles and I appreciate uh, the raising of the dead and I appreciate the casting out of the devils, but I don't understand the second anointing. People that politic for their own place and their own position do not understand the anointing of the grave. Case in point. Jesus has been told of his friend that has died. In fact, he was told before he died, he is sick and he said, I ain't going. Now he's dead and Jesus said, I wasn't there and I'm glad I wasn't there. He shows up four days late. Really, it was more than four days late. He was more like two or three or four weeks late because Lazarus got sick well before he died. And Jesus showed up four days after he died. <laughs> you see, sometimes a repaired problem brings greater revelation than a prevented problem. I'm so glad that I know God gave me this word because nobody's jumping right now and I'm all right. Jesus shows up to the grave of a friend that's been dead four days, two sisters that don't know what to do, one of them that's accusing him, if you had been here. Jesus says, lead me to him. But, 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 but Jesus, by now, it stinks. Yeah, but I do a pretty good work in the dark. <laughs> I do a pretty good work with the dirt. Take me to him. He gets to the grave and simply says, Lazarus, come forth. All of a sudden, there was a shaking in the ground. Lazarus comes walking out of the grave. Jesus said, get up, get up, get up. He said, dance off those grave clothes, but get some other clothes on them. We are a holy people. I don't want him to backslide two seconds after he's come up out of the grave. Get up! Here comes Lazarus. Loose him and let him go. Scripture says in John eleven forty five. here's the response to the grave anointing. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, they saw this miracle. They believed on him. That should have gotten an amen. He's got Jewish people trying to figure out who this guy is. And when he says, Lazarus, get up, many of them said, he's the one. I wish I had a pastor that could witness right now because, see, not everybody always believes your message. <laughs> you preach the same message to the same people, and somehow you got all sorts of different problems. Jesus raised a dead man from the grave. The Bible says many of the Jews turned and believed on him, verse 46, but some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees the council and said, what do we do? 
He's doing real miracles. He's doing miracles. If we leave him alone, everyone's going to believe on him. That's why the devil messes with you. That's why the devil will never stop leaving you alone because he knows if I leave them alone, everyone's going to believe on Jesus. Many of the Jews said this is the Messiah, but some of the Jews went to the Pharisees, the critics, the backslidden reprobates and said, this guy's doing real miracles. What do we do? Watch what he said. If we don't do anything, they'll all believe on him. Number two, the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. Everybody say place. The word in the Greek for place is topos, which means place. Man, if I was Brother Stone King right now, we would have had three tongues interpretations right there. I was with Brother Stone King in a conference and he said, he's talking, he's preaching about the Bible and he said, the Bible in the Greek is Biblos, which means the book. It doesn't just mean place. He said, oh man, I got my help. They said, if we don't put a stop to this guy's miracles, <laughs> they're going to come. They're all going to believe. Then they're going to take away our place and our nation. The word place in the Greek, it means a territory defined by distinct boundaries and Jesus showed up and said I would like to expand your boundaries but you don't want me to the word place in the Greek also translates to a position or occupation that one person holds can I just speak it plain for a moment they would rather Lazarus stay in the grave than for them to lose their place. They would rather politic for position than for Lazarus to get up out of the grave. They said, if we let this minister keep working the works of God, we're going to lose our position. We might not get voted back in. We might not get to preach the conference anymore. They said, I'd rather have my pulpit than to see the performance of God. I'd rather have my position than for Lazarus to get up out of the grave. I'd rather preach the conference than for lost souls to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I would rather be elected into a position than for, ah, than for God to raise.
raise up apostolic vessels to turn this world upside down. So let's hold on to our pulpits as tight as we can. Let's hold on to our places. Let's hold on to our positions because I would rather Lazarus stay in the grave. I'd rather drug addicts commit suicide. I'd rather marriages to fall apart. I'd rather Trinitarians to die lost. I would rather Muslims to worship Allah. I would rather people not receive the Holy Ghost than for me to let go of my place. But I got a prophetic word of the Lord for this movement. Lazarus is coming out of the grave. I'm sorry. Lazarus is coming out of the grave. That's it. Lazarus will come forth. Lazarus will come forth. People will receive the Holy Ghost. This what we will see billions filled with the Holy Ghost because I've got the second anointing. I don't need a position. I've got the power. Let me tell you, Pastor Myers, I promise you, I will give you two pulpits. I will give you the money for two pulpits, I promise you. I'm singing in front of this congregation. I'll give you the money for two pulpits. But let me tell you something, they don't buy nothing cheap at this church. I think it was the will of God for this thing to break. You know why? Hey, where was the pulpit of Jesus? Where was the pulpit of Jesus? It was at a well with a prostitute. Where was the... Hey, 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 hey. Where, where was the pulpit of Paul and Silas? They were praying and singing hymns at midnight and the prisoners were listening to them. And all of a sudden there was an earthquake and the doors opened up. Watch me now, wait. You ready? Watch this. And the head jailer, seeing the prison doors open up, assuming the prisoners had left. Why would he assume that? Because that's what prisoners do. But that's not what apostolics do with a second anointing. He pulled out his sword to kill himself. And Paul said, do not harm yourself. Here it is. For we are all still here. 
Brother Bounds, do you know why there's going to be an outpouring and impartation of the anointing tonight? Because we're still here. There's been some dark days I wanted to leave. I wanted to run, but we're still here. I didn't know what was going to happen in the valley of my shadow of death, but I'm still. I'm Give me that anointing. According According to my stopwatch that I started, before I started preaching, I got one and a half minutes. One month ago, I'm just reading the word. I'm in South Dakota. And all of a sudden, the Lord gives me a vision of this conference. I saw young people standing, young ministers standing, hungry men and women and all of a sudden there literally was a tidal wave not of water of oil wait 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 I heard two voices in the vision I heard two words from the same voice I should say in the vision I heard the voice of God saying get my Get my oil. I'm coming back. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be dark days. But the end will not come until this gospel is preached in all the world as a witness unto all. Hold on. Get my oil. Second word voice I heard it was a crowd of voices that began to shout I am anointed for this I had determined I had determined brother Myers not to say anything about this until this afternoon about two hours ago the Holy Ghost came over me I had determined not to say anything about this I was here at this conference last year. But what I did not know at this conference last year is that seven weeks after I danced in this altar, I would be weeping at my daughter's grave. I didn't know. I didn't know that there was a valley coming. I didn't know that there was a dark day coming. But it was this conference that prepared me for my affliction it was this conference that when I went through this valley the Lord could say to me you are anointed for this won't you lift your hands right now in this place there's an oil that's going to flow there's an oil that's going to flow I want the anointing of the grave I want that second oil. I want, hey, if you want a double portion, you gotta have two anointings. I want the first and I want the second anointing to flow on my soul. 
Get the oil. Get the oil. Get the oil. Get the oil. Get the oil of my spirit. Somebody just speak in tongues right now. I want, I want every minister, I want every minister that's of the age of 40 and above. I want you to come on the platform as quickly as you can. If you're under the age of 40, 39 and younger, I want you down off the platform. I want everybody to stand to your feet. And if you're under the age of 40, if you're 39 or younger, I want everybody to fill this altar as quickly as you can. I want you to leave a space between you and the platform. Just leave a space between you, just a step. If you can, if you can find ways to just allow there to be space that our brethren can walk through right here, through you, and walk through. There's a power to be a second anointing. I've seen from the Lord that our elders are going to anoint our heads with oil we're going to do something very specific brothers in fact forgive me <laughs> can I please have the minister's wives if you are here and even if you're not licensed can you please come because we need some apostolic ladies who are about to pray for some of these young women of God that are about to be used each of them will have a jar of oil this oil will represent the anointing of God but brothers and sisters, when we go and lay hands upon them, we're going to do something to express our obedience to the Word of God. When you take that oil, you're going to put it in your hand. You're going to stand near somebody as I release you into this crowd. You're going to take that oil and you're going to lay your hand upon their head. You're going to take your hand off and you're going to reapply in another dose of anointing oil. And you're going to give them the second anointing. You will have the anointing to prophesy. And you will have the anointing to persevere. 
I prophesy that not one young person from this church service will ever backslide. It's already a given. You will see tens of thousands one hundreds of thousands of people receive the Holy Ghost but I prophesy there will not be a stepping down there will not be a falling away but we will go higher we will go further we will go deeper than anyone has ever gone does everybody have an oil are you prepared you're going to Put that oil in your hand in just a moment. You're going to place your hand upon their head. You're going to reapply that oil and you're going to pray the second anointing. Every young person, every young minister, every young person that wants to be in ministry, every person with hunger, every person with spiritual thirst, I want you to lift up your hands. Don't lift your voice, just lift your hands. I want everybody to hear this instruction. As your hands are lifted, I want you to lift your head up to the heavens. Jesus said, lift up your head. Look up, for your redemption is drawing nigh. Don't lift up your voice yet. We're going to pray the prayer of faith. And when I say the words in the name of Jesus, everybody in this room is going to shout the name Jesus when we shout the name of Jesus our elders will come with the anointing oil but his spirit will begin to flow like fire from heaven I want you to close your eyes young people and with your spirit of faith your mind of faith what I want you to see is I want you to see a tidal wave of oil about to erupt off this platform saturating this generation when I say the name of Jesus you're going to shout his name and his spirit will begin to move and our elders will come and anoint you with a second anointing by the authority that's in the word of God and by the power that is in your name God we give ourselves to you in complete surrender now give us the second anointing in the name of Jesus. Go, elders. Go, 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 go. go.
Would you stand to your feet, lift your voices, and shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph and victory here tonight? In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. We have dug deep tonight. We have heard a word from the Lord. But I will be obedient to the Spirit of God, to the headship of this house. I do feel like God has given me a word. And I am going to preach to you what I feel for the next few moments. I'm just going to follow the Holy Ghost. I, I, I would love us to just stay right here, but I think we might miss it because there's a weariness in the length and the passion in which you prayed. But if you would return to your seats, remain standing. Remain standing, but keep the same spirit. A prayer that you feel. We're going to be back in this altar in just a few moments. Thank you, Brother Green, for opening your heart and obeying the Lord and breaking the pulpit. Praise God. Hey, that couldn't have been a better, better example of what needed to be done. Amen. At any moment, you feel that you need to break this pulpit. Just interrupt me. He had told There, there is a verse in my spirit. The Bible says his goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. There is going to be a going forth like we've never seen before. The preceding power and the presence of God. We are going to start seeing physical, physical angels in our services. God is going to reveal them so often in our churches. And with that, we are going to see more signs, wonders, and miracles than we've ever seen before. The saints are going to see them happen. Not just in meetings. It's going to happen in the streets, in the marketplaces. Tumors are going to disappear. Blinded eyes are going to be opened in North America. Amen. We are digging deep right now. But God is going to release himself through us to a world that needs to hear this truth. Amen. The signs and the wonders, they're going to validate the gospel in which we preach. What we will see and are seeing is going to be common, but should never be treated normal. We ought to respond every time the preacher preaches truth as if it's the first time we've ever heard it. Can I instruct you tonight? We should never just sit back in our casual attitude. When there's a sinner up here dying in the altar, we ought to be praying with them and grieving with them. And when that sinner is marched to the baptismal waters of remission and they are baptized and come up out of the water speaking in tongues, there ought to be a roar of thanksgiving from the body for every soul that has been forgiven and saved. Let's not get used to the power of God tonight. Let there be a refreshing of thanksgiving in us and thankfulness for his goodness. Come on, 
if you love this truth, would you just glorify him? If you love this church, would you glorify him? I want you to read with me, follow along in Ezekiel 47 verse 5. The Lord did give me this message for this specific moment. And I feel that my role here tonight is to bring a change in the way we think for end time revival. What God is going to do is going to be unorthodoxed, unprecedented. It's not the way we've seen it before. Because we can't do what we're, we can't see what God's going to do in the formats and the metho- methodologies of how we operate. Because this building cannot contain the harvest in this city. Your church buildings cannot contain what God is going to release in the end time harvest. It must be done differently. The purpose of our church buildings are going to change. The purpose of the building is going to change. The harvest isn't going to be on Sunday. It's going to be a Monday through Saturday. We're going to fill up gymnasiums in our local school districts. You watch. We're going to fill up football stadiums and fairgrounds with people that are hungry for the power of God. And I'm going to tell you how we're going to get the mindset to do it. We've got to quit listening to CNN, MSNBC, every broadcast out there that's talking about everybody that doesn't want this and we need to bend our ear to the spirit of God and hear what the spirit is saying because in the end time quit listening to all the criticisms and start listening to what God is saying in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh It is mighty. It is powerful. God spoke to me. I'm trying to read this text. Have you noticed that? God, I need to read this text. Afterward, he measured a thousand. And it was a river. This was the last measurement in eight chapters measured Ezekiel's temple it was a temple that God allowed the angel of the Lord that had the measure read in his hand he measured how he wanted the temple to be his expectations of the temple even revelation says that he he measured the altar and the worshiper it was a measuring God's measure God's expectation. The last measure. It started, it started in an in a entrance way and the, in the beginning measurement in chapter 40 and it ends in the entrance way. When it gets to the entrance way, he sees this river coming out of the temple. 
And he measures a thousand cubits and it's ankle deep. Another thousand cubits, it's knee deep. Another thousand, it's hip deep. But verse 5 says, afterward he measured a thousand. And it was a river that I could not measure. It was immeasurable. It was something that could not be passed over. It's, it's beyond any, any limit. There, there was no understanding the multiplication, the, the plurality of this moment. And he says this, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. He said unto me, son of man, Hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. And I'm going to skip on down to verse 9. And it says, and it shall come to pass. That is prophecy. That is a promise. It shall, somebody say, it shall come to pass. That everything that liveth, which moveth. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to be moving. Whithersoever, watch, watch. Whithersoever the rivers. It's no longer river. It is now rivers. We've got to understand and start understanding the plurality of what God is doing. Out of your belly shall flow. How many of you in this building pictured a river in that verse? Let's just get, I was raised in this. I'm fourth generation. I can talk to you this way. How many of you picture that out of your belly shall flow rivers and you pictured a stream coming out of you? One stream. Be honest with me. Yeah, you also picture when he said, bring your ties to the storehouse. He's going to open the windows, but you pictured one. Lift your eye on the fields, but you only pictured one. We've got to start understanding in the end time the plurality of what God is going to do. I come to preach to you for a few moments about rivers tonight because it's not going to stop with you. It's going to flow for you and it's going to come out in all kinds of different directions. I want you to clap your hands and shout to the Lord. It's going to be rivers. Come on, take a moment and I want you to begin to praise him for what he's going to do out of you and through you. Not just for you. In the name of Jesus. God bless you. You can be seated. You can be seated for a moment. Can I get a, a, a water? Is, is that all right? Amen. We've been here a while. Rivers. Look at your neighbor say, you got to think different. We're going to see it. We have to think different. So, for a moment, I'd like to just paint the picture. Is that Ezekiel's temple that we see in chapter 47, with 40 through 47, it's actually sitting on the top of a mountain and it's it's on well, let me let me first say i appreciate you pastor myers and sister amy myers and greg and luke and sophia love you all 
Amen. We've been Bible quizzing family members for a long time. And I love your burden for missions. And this church right here, I thank God for you and your burden for missions. And I prayed earlier that God would put back in you everything you've been putting out in this conference and missions. Aren't you thankful for the church here locally? Praise God. And my friends that are here, and I appreciate you, Brother Josh Carson. My buddy is more of a brother than a friend, but thankful for him. And I look around and, and uh, thankful for my mother-in-law, father-in-law that's here. Thankful for them. But when you begin to picture the, the temple, it's actually on the top of a mountain. You have to understand, it's like top of a volcanic mountain, if you will. The temple is set there and he begins to measure it. He measures some things, and I'm not going to get into that, but at the top of the mountain, at the end of the measuring, he takes him in verse 1. It says, afterward, he brought me again into the door of the house. Everybody say the door. door. He brought me to the door of the house. And it says, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward for the forefront of the house stood toward the east and everybody shout the waters waters. came down from under from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar and water begins to come out of the temple and flows out the door and if you will the prophet of God Ezekiel was standing there at the door and when he does it's like a rumbling that begins to move on him and what is that's coming forth what is going on it's like a it's 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 like a geyser from the beneath that starts shaking and moving and something is stirring beneath the surface that you can't see and there's something brewing there's something stirring all of a sudden it's coming forth it's breaking forth up out and it starts flowing down the aisle of the temple until it's coming out of the door of the temple and it flows out and begins to flow down the water's not flowing to the temple the temple is the source of the river it's flowing out of the temple can I preach to you it wasn't just flowing in the temple too many times when we have a move of God we go shut all the doors and just let it get real deep in here and we hold it in here but that's not the purpose of the river that's not the purpose of the river the purpose of the river is to originate here it's to start on a revival service on Sunday. But it's not supposed to stop on Sunday night. It ought to flow into your Monday P7 club. It ought to flow into your jail service down the street. It ought to flow into the evangelism place of, your, of the street corners of your city. It's supposed to flow out. And if I can paint the picture is that the angel says, I want you to measure the flow. And so he measures a thousand, and this, this is not a thousand cubits here, but just pretend. When he gets a thousand, it's ankle deep. When he gets another thousand, it's knee deep. When he gets another thousand, it's hip deep. When he gets to another thousand, it's, you can't see the end of it. You can swim in it. I do not believe, Pastor, that at a thousand cubits, that it actually... Just there was a step drop off. 
I don't believe the other thousand, there was another step and it just, you dropped down into that like levels. Didn't you get, I don't believe it. You know what I believe? I believe it was a constant, gradual increase. Now this stream is different than streams I grew up with. I grew up in front of two rivers, two beautiful rivers, the New River, the Gala River. They met in front of my house and Pastor Chad Smells, wave your hand over there. He pastors in that city where my dad planted that church in 1990. It's called the Canal Falls. Two rivers meet together. Where they merge, they're only, they're not really that wide. It's, a be- it's, it's, one, of the prettiest, it's one of the prettiest places on the planet, amen. It's West Virginia, bless God, amen. Almost heaven, glory, amen. Two rivers, they're not that wide. But when they come together, it's really wide. Because when the rivers meet, they increase. Then over the, there was a waterfalls there. And just to make you jealous, I'd go to sleep at night, listen to a waterfalls 400 yards wide. Yeah, amen. I am blessed, praise God. But listen, tributaries feed the streams. That when they come together, they increase because something else is feeding them. But not this stream. This stream is not getting increased because it's fed by other tributaries. There's something inside of the waters. Nothing's coming into it. But as it's moving, it's growing. As it's flowing, as it's moving, it's increasing. It's not like the rivers. It's, it's almost like a river flowing backwards. It starts small, but gets bigger as it goes, and its increase is in itself. The river of God is that way. We see this exact principle in the book of Genesis, chapter 2. When you go to chapter 2 and you find when God formed man, he set him in the garden. The Bible says in Genesis 2 and 10, and a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The river that came out of the garden. What was the garden? It was where God had a relationship with man. It was a place of consecration. It was a place of fellowship with God. Watch watch, watch this. And it says in chapter uh, 2 verse 11, the name of the first river, the first place was Pison. You know what Pison means? It means increase. And when the river comes out of the fellowship with God, it will always increase. It comes to the second river, and it's called Gihon, which means to burst forth. Then it goes to the third river, which is Hadeko, which means rapid. Into the fourth river, which is Euphrates, which means fruitfulness. When the river comes out of a place of fellowship with God, it will always grow. It will never. It will increase. Come on. And of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. That's why in the midst of COVID, we increased. We grew because we were built to multiply. Somebody shout, there's increase. I am preaching this to you because Genesis tells us that a relationship with God will produce a river that ends up in rivers. 
That's Genesis. You go to Revelation chapter 22, the last book of the Bible. It turns from a place of fellowship into Genesis 22 and 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits, yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. It appears to me that a place of fellowship with God becomes the throne room of God. And that God speaks. Watch what happens. And so Ezekiel tells us the similar story. I saw out of the temple a river that began to flow. And when it began to flow, I turned around and I saw where is it coming from. He splashed his way through the sanctuary. And he looks and there's this thing in the church called an altar. Everybody say an altar. And it's coming up out of the side of the altar. That altar was about 24 feet wide, 24 feet tall, pretty much the same in depth. It was a big deal. So I stopped to tell you today that to think that you can have this river without consecration, you're fooling yourself. To think that you can produce it because you're gifted, you are fooling yourself. You're not going to do it with lights and screens and cool logos as much as I like them. There's only one place the river will originate. It is called the altar before God. It is a place of consecration. It's an altar. It's a place alone with God. Altars are not pretty. They're not comely. Altars are not attractive. When you go to the altar, it stinks. It smells like blood. It smells like death. And the purpose of the anointing is so you can tolerate the stench of the altar. Anita, my, my goodness. Uh, hey, hey you, you come here and help me. I need a bottle of water. I need a full bottle of water. Amen. Stand right here, my brother. Hey, I need you. You're going to need oil in your life. Because when you're at the altar... And there's a burnt offering. That, that flesh is burning. That hair is singeing. That, that blood is soaking. It stinks. People are not coming to our church because of our consecration. They're not attracted to your holiness. They're not attracted to the way you dress. They're not attracted to the way you live. Come on. Altars are not appealing to our 
flesh. And our anointing is not appealing to God. The purpose of the anointing is not to please God. But when you take the anointing, And you work the altar. And incense is mixed with hot coals from an altar. The Bible says then it becomes a sweet smelling savor to the Lord. The only thing that pleases God is death. The only thing that pleases God is sacrifice. The only thing that pleases God is consecration. People don't know why they come, but they come because in the scripture, when you study this, you, you, bear with me a minute. Watch what happens with the river. Everybody say the river becomes rivers. Look at Ezekiel 47 and 9. It shall come to pass that everything that liveth which moveth, whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. There shall be a very great. Watch. Not just a multitude. A multitude would have been significant. A great multitude of fish would have been significant. But a very great multitude of fish. Because these waters shall come hither. For they shall be healed. Hear me, I feel a word right now. They're not here because they want to dress like us. Or live like us. But there's something coming out of this building they can't deny. They feel peace. They feel joy. They feel hope. And they're, and they're swimming through the rivers that's come out of the altar of our consecration. Remove the altar. You might get a crowd, but it'll be nothing more than a club. But if you give me an altar, I'll show you drug addicts delivered, alcoholics set free, marriages put together. You've got to have an altar. He kanda rambo sandaha. Ikiti Let's get back to building altars in our church services. No altar, no conversion. No altar, no power. No altar, no miracles. No altar. No increase. And the river that flows out of the church. I can't help but get... Patriarchs that was at Azusa Street earlier this year. Somebody's tore up the sign that there's a sign there. Had a prayer meeting there. My family and other great friends of ours. All the thing I could think is William Seymour somewhere on that corner with his head in a box. No electricity, but electrified. And he'd bring his head out of the box of prayer and prophesy. And people would leave and go in the prophecy. People would come from everywhere to a glorified prayer meeting. 
And they'd get out of wheelchairs, lay crutches down, walk in one way, and leave another way. When I was a boy, Brother Green, I grew up in this. I grew up in prayer and prophets and prophecies. When I was, grew up to the right side, on this side was the restrooms. On this side, there was, there, was a, a, there was like a storage room. I remember one day the door opened and I looked in there. It was filled with wheelchairs, walkers, canes, and crutches. That's where they put everybody's leftovers when they got done in the miracle services of the church I was raised in. Don't tell me God's done with that. You see, when the river starts flowing, you just got to go in the flow of the river because in the river is everything you need to have increase. There's a river. And it says, somebody's getting ready to be healed here tonight. You came in with a physical addition, but God is going to heal you before you leave this room because he's still in the healing business. He's still... I don't want you to miss the picture. The Lord spoke to me this morning. He said, the only way the river can go out, there has to be an altar. He said, the only way the multitude could come in, they have to have a river. It's like salmon swimming upstream. They're trying to find the source of their life. And when it starts flowing, it's going to go out of our churches and it's going to go in. I tell you what I feel. The end time revival isn't just going to be super centered churches, just one place. It's all happened. No, it's going to go to this city and churches are going to pop up. It's going to go here. I'll tell you what I see tonight. I see entire high schools being converted. I see colleges. Because in that river there's increase. There's a bursting forth. There's fruitfulness. Watch, watch. Because these waters shall come hither. For they shall be healed. And everything shall live whither the river cometh. I'm just going to speak what I feel. The White House doesn't even know it, but it's going to flow all the way to it. I believe it. Come on. I haven't given up on our nation. God's going to bring them to their knees and we're going to see millions in North America filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what's going to happen. I want you to clap your hands and shout. I want you to clap your hands and shout.
And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from in Jedi even unto Eneglium. They shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds. As the fish of the great sea exceeding many. It's talking about every nation, every ethnicity. Fishers of men. How many believe it's going to be? Hey, listen, I know... There's a lot of talk about racism, but I'm telling you, God's going to do something to turn that around. We're going to see people in our churches of every color, every nationality, every creed, every background. They're coming. I wish somebody would look at the door and say, they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. There's a river. But the miry places, verse 11. But the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. What that means, if it comes to you, but you don't let it go through you, you won't be healed. If it comes to your church, but you don't let it go to the next city, to the next mission field, we hoard everybody in our church because we want to see how many people we can get on Sunday instead of how many people we can get in the river. It's not going to come to us. It's going to come through us. Do you hear what I'm preaching? It's going to come through us. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to make a vow. It's not just coming to me. It's going to go through me. I was, when I was a boy and a missionary like you'd come through and you'd tell all those amazing miracles, I would say to myself, I want to see it. When I'd sat in the evangelist at the table, sometimes they told stories that scared me and I'd end up in the bed with my parents that night. Supernatural things. But when they talk about miracles, I remember Billy Cole had a video of a lady with a withered hand that got healed. And I said to myself, I want to see that. Do you want to see it? See? Do you want to see it? Do you want to see it? Do you want to see it? He could take a withered hand and heal it. I saw it on video. I said, but I want to see it in person. My dad talked about blinded eyes open. I said, I want to see that. Missionary came through talking about a leg growing. A leg growing. And I said to myself, I want to see that. And I was in church one night and a man came down the middle aisle. He came and stood right here. His hand was like this. Never seen him before. And I went up to him. And I said, what would you like God to do for you? And the guy with him said, his hand. His hand was drawn like that. I said, well, give me your hand. He grabbed his hand like that. said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. I said, are you healed? He said, well. Just like that. 
Just like that. Because in the water, there's healing. There was a lady standing on this side of the church. And I went to her and I said, what would you like God to do for you? She said, I have one leg shorter than the other. She said, I have pain all over my body. I said, you want me to pray for you? She said, yes. I said, give me your hand. I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. I said, are you healed? She said, well, there's no pain in my body. I said, no, you said one foot, one leg was shorter than the other. I said, are you healed? And she said, I have to take my shoe off. And she took her shoe off. She said, it's the same as the other. There's a river. There's a river that's beyond our human abilities and limitations. Let me tell you something else is going to start happening. You're going to even see it. Midweek services are just going to be absolutely transformed. I was teaching on a Wednesday night, teaching whatever, and I felt the river. I felt it. And I started just telling healing stories. And when I did, I saw some commotion on the front row. I saw like joy, and I just kept preaching. I saw some, there was a guest sitting with one of our saints there. After church, they came and found me. And Rebecca said to me, she said, I'm going to tell you what happened tonight when you started talking about the miracles. Now, it wasn't scripted. It wasn't in my notes, and it was just random. She said, my sister, did you hear about the lady that jumped off of the bridge? Try to commit suicide? I said, can we hear? Yes. I said, I heard about that. They, she said, that was my sister. She was here tonight. Said one of her legs is shorter than the other. She'd been so crippled. She had leaned over in service and said, I imagine people mock me because how I have to hobble when I go. She said, but when you started talking about miracles, talking about the power of the name of Jesus, she began to believe. And when she looked down, her legs stretched out. There is a river that can bring every miracle you need. Listen, listen, press, press back a little bit. Press back a little bit. If you need a miracle in your body, I want you to come to this altar now. If you need a healing of something, come and stand right here. Don't wait. God blesses. Quick responders. There is healing in this room. Come on, press close as you can. How many feel healing in this building? There is a river that's here. Everything we need is in that water. It's in the water. Somebody shout, it's in the waters. Do you believe God can heal these people here tonight? The man of God's going to come and speak a word of faith. When he does, that river is just going to fill this altar. 
I want, I want every hand stretched toward them. I want you to come, Brother Robinette. I want all those ministers to come back on the platform. Put your hands down a minute. All the ministers come back on the platform quickly. I was standing down there while Pastor Bounds was preaching and the Lord gave me a vision and I saw a wave that began to rise up from this spot. A great wave so high that you almost could not see the top of it. And then the Lord allowed me to see the top of that wave begin to turn over and begin to break. And I could see an army that could not be numbered that was standing upon the steps and their hands were raised and all of a sudden in an instant that wave broke upon the people of God and overtook them and went through them and there was multiplication and billions began to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost so two things are about to happen that wave is about to break and it's going to overtake every single person in this place and it's not going to just hit you it's going to flow through you and i want everybody who wants that wave to break upon them to push in as close as you can get everybody from everywhere the second thing that's going to happen is there will be a wave of miracles that begins to flow from those rivers that are released into this place that means cancer's going to be healed immediately tumors are going to leave your bodies immediately the pain is going to leave your body instantly if you need a miracle, I want you to lift your voice and prophesy. Say, I am healed. Say it. I am healed. I am healed. Now listen. Listen. Listen, we're going to speak the word of faith. And when you hear me shout hallelujah, that is the instant that that wave is going to break upon you. And you're going to receive it. It's going to flow through you and you will be instantaneously healed. Do you believe that? You believe that? When I shout hallelujah, I want everybody in this place to shout hallelujah as loud as you can. And instantly, instantly, 
those waves are going to break upon you and I want every person the moment you shout hallelujah I want you to begin to shout in other tongues begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and rejoice because it will be finished it will be finished lift up your hands and I want you to lift up your voice and begin to shout. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice by the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name Jesus. I command this river to overtake you. You are healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
Come on and lift up your voice. I want everybody to begin to shout. I want you to begin to celebrate. Come on and lift your voice and celebrate. 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 Come on. You need to shout with a voice of triumph. You need to celebrate. Shatalabasa. If you felt though that river break on top of you and flow through you, I want you to lift up both of your hands and begin to wave them a moment. If you felt that begin to break forth, you felt it flow through you, you know it's got a hold of you. If you can tell that it's got a hold of you, somebody needs to shout about it. If you got it, you ought to act like you got it. If it's in you, you ought to act like it's in you. Let's see what else the Lord's done tonight. Put your hands down. If you came in this place with pain in your body sickness in your body maybe you have a tumor that you knew where it was if you had pain in your back your legs your arthritis or something i want you to begin to move around and feel for it if you can tell that god has healed you you can feel that as that river came upon you you were healed in an instant if you can tell it i want you to lift up both hands right now if you can tell that god has healed you lift up both hands and don't put them down one two lift up your hands high if you can tell, lift up your hands high. Get all the way back there. Fifty-eight people that can instantly tell that God has healed their bodies. I think we ought to shout in this place. We ought to shout. Come on, get a hold of your neighbor and shout with them. Shout with them. 
church was on fire in the Holy Ghost too. From the top of my head to the sole of my feet Felt the Spirit moving all over me You should have been there when I prayed through Church was on fire, the Holy Ghost too From the top of my head to the sole of my feet I felt the Spirit moving all over me Living 
such thing as having consecration without an altar you cannot separate an altar from consecration to have an altar is to be consecrated to be consecrated to be cause of the altar now listen on a normal day I'd never interrupt you but I know what the Lord spoke to me earlier to tell you he said tell my people he said standing there a while ago he said tell my people They've replaced their altars with media. You see, you see, the old timers used to go to the altar to be refreshed. They'd sing songs like, Sweet hour of prayer. Now we're, now we're stressed out of our minds. Hear me tonight. Six vacations isn't good enough. Stressed, troubled, emotionally inept. And the reason is, is because we run to screens instead of God. You know, all of you know this is truth. The Lord said you've replaced your altar with media. What are we going to do about it? Brother Green preached so powerful. Talk about explaining media fast. It was a few years ago, a few years ago, that I was trying to decide as the pastor for the local church what kind of fast we were going to do. We had been doing Daniel's fast in years past, but our church turned into into nutritional scientists. Whole wheat pizza. Whole wheat cereal with honey and almond milk. Then they get mad when somebody else was doing something they wish they could do. I just told the Lord, I said, I don't know what to do. He said, tell my people to abstain from media for 30 days. So I did. Somebody growled on the front row. Can't imagine a day without Facebook. I know my role here tonight. Social media, call of duty, grown men, 35 years old, hooked up, up to 5 a.m., but can't pray at 6. 
can't wait to get home from work so they can play the game more interested in worlds that do not exist than the world that does. Three o'clock in the morning on social media. It's just where we are. But we've replaced our altars with media. 30 days, I asked the church, no news, no, no games on the phone, just use it as a phone. 30 days we fasted. At the end of the 30 days, Brother Robinette, we had a crusade at the church in Zanesville. You've been there. My dad preached, man of faith, gift of faith. We had notable miracles that happened that night. I'm, I'm talking about notable miracles. Diseases healed. Heart valves healed. Kidney disease reversed. One lady went back to the doctor. She said, which physician? The doctor said to her, what doctor have you been here? Went to since you were here the last time. She said, I've been to the doctor. He said, well, you're totally healed. Miracle after miracle. I asked God, after all, there's like 15 notable miracles in that service. I asked God, I said, why do we see miracles after a media fast when we hadn't seen miracles like that in a long time? And the Lord said to me, he said, because media has hardened the heart of my people. Like an eggshell around an egg. He said, everything in them I put. Compassion, prayerfulness, healings, and gifts of the Spirit. He said, but media has encapsulated everything I put in my people. He said, but when they fasted media, it broke forth. And I was able to do in them and through them what I wanted to do. Right after that, I got a call from Prophet George Guy. Well, he texted me and he said, he said, I was praying for you. And the Lord said that your church had been like an egg inside of an eggshell. Nobody had known what God had spoke to me in the privacy of my devotion. And he said it has broken forth and now God is doing what he wants to do. You can walk right out of here tonight and fall back into the same pattern you were in before you got here. And quench the spirit. Lord, take me back to the old landmarks where I make a new commitment. Help me find a fresh start. Help me find my direction place a burden in my heart Lord take me back if you're not praying you're dying if you're not praying, you're dying. If you stop fasting, you stop praying, then you're dying. Consecration is a word in this service tonight. I want every hand lifted. God's going to reveal to you. Consecration. Alone with God. 
Come on, some of you pastors, God's going to call you to prayer revivals with your church. Come on, there it is. God's speaking. I want you to make a covenant with God. I want you to make a covenant with God to prayer and an altar in your life.
less than 12 hours from now, 10 o'clock in the morning, Brother Joel Urshan is going to be bringing us a word from the Lord, followed by Brother Charles Robinette. We're going to be making some announcements tomorrow about some things that I think are going to be life-changing. We're going to have a tremendous day tomorrow. I'm so thankful that you're here, but I want to tell you, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We're just getting started. And it's not going to be over when the conference is over. This is just the beginning. God's bringing together an army that's going to change the world. Oh, you believe that? In the name of Jesus. God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. We'll see you at 10 in the morning.